0: Shocking babies.
1: Will it be? Hello everyone and welcome to episode 47 of Shocking Things. I'm John with Laura. Hi. And we are going to be talking about the Twilight Zone, Season 1. This whole concept was Laura's idea, right? Wouldn't you say? Just talk about the Twilight Zone in general. And then we kind of said, all right, it's kind of tough to cover the entire series, obviously. There's so many episodes. So we're going to start with Season 1. And this is the original Twilight Zone. Not the one from the 80s or the Jordan Peele one. This is the real Twilight Zone, Mm -hmm. right, Laura? The only one that matters And so we talked about it, we said, okay, Laura picked her five favorite episodes, I picked my five favorite episodes, and we're just going to talk about the episodes that we enjoy. And in
0: this season, there was 34 total episodes? Uh, 36.
1: 36. So there's a lot. You'll never find a TV series now with 36 episodes, right? No. And
0: I think this came about, too, because uh, we're always catching it on TV, and I feel like we've always seen the same five to ten episodes, like, 300 times, and... (laughs) I always catch maybe one that I've never seen before. And I thought it was a great idea to watch it. Just start from the beginning and it just is. watch every single episode.
1: You're right. It is. And a, there's
0: still some that you haven't seen.
1: There's a, there's a couple. There's a few. Because now this is right now. If you have Paramount Plus, you could watch all these. So, yeah, there are a couple. And I had to go back. Before we started doing this, there's a few that I never saw that I finally watched.
0: Amazing. But, but
1: there's <laughs> there's still probably a couple more. So... All right, so I'm going to ask you, Laura, so for season one, you could do it in whatever order you want to do it. I'm doing it in just numerical order of, like, when they were re- released the episodes because there are too many great episodes. It was hard enough to narrow it down to five, so I'll let you start whatever way you want to do it. What's on Not your li- in numerical order you could because do, you, you told me to later. You can do whatever you want. Okay.
0: Okay, so the first episode that I picked was The 16-millimeter Shrine. It was episode four and it aired on October twenty third of nineteen fifty nine, and the main star of this was Ida Lupino, and she played Barbara. Okay. So, a uh, brief synopsis is: Barbara Jean Fenton is a faded film star who lives in the past by constantly rewatching her old movies instead of moving on with her life. So I don't know if you do you remember this. this one? This
1: is okay. This is one, yeah, because she's. Doesn't she have a? A guy she used to work with on film, show up at her house. Is this the same episode? And he yes. was older. Yeah,
0: she's obsessed with her um, days in the movie life. And she just can't get over yeah, it. Yeah, she was. And she doesn't know how everyone else has moved on. And um, it was just very interesting to me. It because was. Especially how, well, women aren't treated like that really anymore. But they used to be throwaway, away, especially in that career. Like, you see how she can't get any parts except to play people's mother. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, it'd be this young,
1: beautiful woman or or they don't want you for the leading actress anymore.
0: And she can't accept it. She wants to stay in her fame, her glory days for the rest of her life, and she doesn't want to leave and... As we see at the end, still spoilers in this. Uh,
1: you can do whatever you want. It's, it's like I said, yeah,
0: I'm sure everybody's.
1: And if not, it's, you'll forget it by the time we're all done. We're going to mention so many episodes, your your brain's going to be yeah. overloading. So, as we
0: see in the end, she gets to go into her uh, movie that she made and be with her friends and live out her life just the way she wanted to.
1: Yeah. And she didn't care about her, like her husband's like there, but it seems like she didn't care about the husband. The husband's like always trying to like.
0: I don't think it was her husband. Was it, who I'm was, not even sure. Was it her? Was uh,
1: her agent or her agent? And okay.
0: then it was her um, maid or whoever she was. Her okay. Assistant was helping her. She's the one who finds her. Yeah.
1: So she keeps rewatching her same old movies over and over and over again, right? Yeah. And then she just then one day she just disappeared. And then he sees her in the actual movie, right? Well, the maid comes in and yeah.
0: finds her in the movie, which is. Quite scary. And I loved um, the end where the scarf from the Her movie kind of comes into play in the real world. Oh, okay. She drops the scarf. Something about that oh, okay. scene, it just gripped me. But yeah, it's about like accepting accepting aging. Mm-hmm. and
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, you can like, all be... Like, I'm lucky. I'm still young and handsome looking, right?
0: Of course you are. <laughs> of course, Jonathan. But, but yeah, like... If you, I think, it's hard because I used you know I don't want to age either. I don't want to get old. And if you ever saw Laura,
1: she looks easily ten years younger than her age. But she thinks she looks like she's eighty. Just
0: kind, thank you. (laughs) But no. But when we think about it, it's beautiful to age and it's beautiful to grow old and to be have the privilege of Mm -hmm. growing old and experiencing life. I'm gonna get okay and getting wrinkles and stuff. But sometimes, if you had the opportunity to. Go back and live in your favorite days. Mm-hmm. Would you take that? Yeah, but
1: I, it's. I think the novelty kind of wears off though with something like totally that. Totally agree. You know, it, it does. It sounds good in theory, but then. But you, some people you can't
0: are. pass that hurdle but, but, where but, yeah. you are. You understand that and some people can never pass it, right?
1: The, no, yeah, yeah. So sorry, but, I went but a little this, deep. No, but that woman. <laughs> that's but that's all she cared about. She couldn't like. She couldn't accept reality. She had to live in the past forever. There's people. I mean, I could <laughs> Laura and I we we knew this guy who uh, he's gonna be what 35 now, and all he would do is watch a videotape of video. That's how old is this videotape oh, of watching about. himself and his friends <laughs> playing football? Yes, and it's like that's great but you got to kind of like they got together and lived yeah, in the past like the, there
0: was no new memories being made there yeah was and nothing going forward there's
1: really a kind of a point I, and I love nostalgia and I love that but there is a, a point where you have to kind of say okay you have to accept reality right
0: yeah things are beautiful if you let them be beautiful now they can be beautiful too but yeah but sorry. no that, that was a We're good a choice far.
1: though that was a good like that's why it was tough for me to narrow it down to just five because This is one thing Laura and I don't always have the same opinions on TV shows or books or movies, but we both agree that Twilight Zone might possibly be the greatest television series of all time.
0: Yes, and in the future, um, we want to make an episode going into how many movies have actually stolen from the... I don't know if stolen or taken... Or borrowed uh, or or influenced. Influenced.
1: And I remember... Do you know how this first came up, this conversation? I still remember. We were... With me? Yes. Well... It was probably in the back of your head now. You don't even remember. But I don't
0: remember anything.
1: It was, uh, it was a horror convention, Monster Mania. It was in 2009. Do you remember that? We were selling at that no. one. Oh, We maybe. went to Nightmare on Elm Street panel. Yes, I do. There was an actor in there. I think his name was Charles Fleischer. He had a small part in the movie. He was uh, the doctor in the movie. Okay. He was also known as the voice of Roger Rabbit. Okay. But people were asking questions and the question and answer were talking about things. And I can't remember exactly what happened about how something, somebody ripped off something from Nightmare on Elm Street, another horror movie. He goes, yeah. he goes. Do you realize everybody just stole from the Twilight Zone? He goes, anything you watch. He goes, you if you really pay attention, like everything's no, ripped I off. No, I don't remember. He him said that. that. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, I think that I first noticed this though by watching the episode of "Room for One More." Not in oh, this okay. season. I'm not sure if that's the exact title, but um, it's about the plane and when she uh she has a dream or something like that premonition getting out a, plane, right. a, pre- a premonition thank you and uh well i could think of was final destination
1: mm-hmm. yeah very very similar you're right
0: and then i just started noticing more and more and more and more and especially after the season
1: so, like yeah. this now with something with like uh you have a a movie the, the screen and then a real life like the scarf you're saying is this we're talking about oh is this like like the ring or something like that you know you could say oh, like something's actually I didn't coming even out think about that. you know so you could say even something that's not a blatantly
0: yeah something breaking the what's yeah. that called when you break what, the, the fourth wall or yeah what?
1: so yeah so yeah so there's it's very very just one example of how influential and i have two fun is. facts what's that
0: before we move on okay i'll say okay so the grand staircase also appears in the purple testament elegy and Long Live Walter Jameson. Okay. Not familiar with those yet. Okay. And Ida Lupina was the only woman to direct an episode of *The Twilight Zone*.
1: Oh, okay, you know, I I know like I know the name, and from that episode you're talking about, I'm used to seeing her older. So she was younger in this. So I I know her from other things as she got older. So now I got to rewatch this now that episode. But that that's interesting. I didn't know that okay so you want me for mine the first first out of five uh episode seven the lonely it was aired on november 13th 1959 and this is directed by jack smite written by rod serling uh the main star there's jack warden as james Corey, uh gene marsh as alicia and there's an actor i'm not sure if you're too familiar with them ted knight no did you ever see caddyshack
0: I, I have, but I...
1: Okay. He's the guy who goes, Bushwood? And, and he was in this TV series that I used to love called Too Close for Comfort. He was uncredited in this uh, as one of the, the guards, uh, Adams. I just thought that was very interesting to note. But Jack Warden's done. He's one of those actors has been tons and tons of things. He was in Provenchild. Remember John Ritter's father? Oh, that, okay. That's, that's him. Okay. Now, this is the episode you remember... Uh, so James Corey, he's placed in solitary confinement, but not on Earth, uh, is on an asteroid 9 million miles from Earth. I
0: loved that episode. That was a contender.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that, it. this is, there's a few episodes. When I saw, when I was younger, I kind of view them very differently now as an adult. You didn't kind of, yes. you know, you don't, you don't really think about it. So he was there, so he's, he's sent there and they kind of feel bad for him because of He killed someone in self-defense but that's how this in the future right this is how the solitary confinement's done and so they have to visit him to bring him supplies they give him a car to take care of to build because he's bored and finally they give him uh he has a uh, he begs one of the guards to play cars with him uh Allenby and so they they don't have time they have other things going on so they stop by four times a year and they have a special package for him, and it's to keep him company. It's a robot named Alicia. So basically, he starts talking to Alicia, and as time goes on, he starts like, almost like falling in love with her, right? Mm-hmm. I mean yes. And so then finally, he gets a pardon, so they tell him, "Okay, you could leave now, you can get out, but you can only bring 15 pounds with you." of your belongings on the ship. He's like, oh, okay. And he gets, he, he goes, it won't be a problem. Then he's bringing Alicia, like, well, you can't bring her. She's more than 15 pounds. And they had to explain to him, like, look, she isn't real. And he wasn't, it's like, he, he kept believing that she's human, Corey, until uh, Allenby, like just blows her face off and you see the circuits of her face. And then it just kind of, that like hit him, like that reality. And she kept saying, Corey, Corey. Yeah, and so he—that's when it like hit him, like okay, she isn't real. Then he just leaves her. I thought that was a really, really interesting concept—the whole just well, everything about it. I agree. And is this like something to say? Okay, like you can't take technology as human, right? You can't like just—I I don't know. Well, we,
0: I think it was an interesting way of dealing with prisoners. I almost wonder. Or somebody who commits a crime, I almost wonder if the, in the future if that's available. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a good way to make somebody pay for their sins or whatever. I don't yeah. know if it's
1: yeah, it's different than the sol. Really it's it's be better than guilty. the solitary confinement of being inside a small cell, right? This at least you're out in the open, but you're, right? Still but there's still no one around. Is
0: loneliness? It's it's probably terrible. Yeah. And that was his only form of love. He was so desperate,
1: right, for just any companionship. And honestly,
0: if they didn't kill her, I believe that he probably would have chose to stay with her. Mm-hmm. I'm not Yeah, sure you're right. Yeah,
1: because yeah, he, he just he, he just believed that she was real after a certain point but in that time.
0: that was his life. She was everything to him.
1: But the technology is getting scarier and scarier, right? <laughs> and I have Tell some him trivia him. for this. So this is the first of many Twilight Zone episodes um, that were shot in Death Valley. It was a, I shot an arrow into the air 100 yards over the rim and the Rip Van Winkle caper. So so that was pretty interesting. Uh, unprepared for the terrible conditions they would face, the crew suffered extreme dehydration, heat exhaustion, and director of photography George T. Clemens even collapsed. Wow. Falling from a camera crane while while the filming continued. This episode takes place from 2046 to 2047. And there's another thing. Uh, Laura and I, uh, we first started dating, this is one of the, like I said, one of the things we have in common is Twilight Zone, so Laura would buy me all the time for a Christmas and birthday gifts, usually Christmas, Twilight Zone collectibles. So many, yes. And this is one of them, they made an Alicia, there's two different, there's a three, three 3.75 inch and an 8 inch figure of Alicia it has her face, the blown up version, Laura bought me the 8 inch one for Christmas, which are really, really cool looking figures. So that's it for that episode.
0: Oh, okay, wait, okay. and before we move on I thought about it. What's that? Um what's that movie with Tom Hanks where he, he makes like oh, a Oh the
1: volleyball?
0: Or it was a volleyball? Yeah. I thought it was a coconut. <laughs>
1: we put some like hair on it. <laughs> oh. Yeah.
0: But I'm just thinking like if you're oh, alone Oh uh, Wilson. If uh, yeah. Wilson. If you're alone for that long. Anything yeah. becomes like you can make anything.
1: Yeah, so he's sort of and that sold for something. They just had an auction, and that sold for like $115,000 or something outrageous, wow. too. So, okay.
0: How do you know this stuff?
1: All right. So, I'll go with you, Laura. What do you have for number two on your list?
0: Okay. I have Perchance to Dream. It was episode nine, and it aired on November 27th, 1959. Okay. Uh, starring Richard Conti as Edward, John Larch as Dr. Elliot Rothman. And Susan Lloyd as Maya. Okay. Now, I don't have um, all of the backstory about the people like you do. but Um, So, basically, it's a fatigued man fights to stay awake as he explains to a psychiatrist that if he falls asleep, it will trigger a nightmare that will cause his heart to fail. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I love the fast-paced vibe of this episode. I felt like my heart was beating fast.
1: It's a weird, I know what you're talking about. It's another one I kind of viewed differently as an adult because this one I haven't seen in probably 20 years. Yeah. yeah but, yeah, it's it's a weird episode. You're right. It's very surreal. Like, they're, like, at a carnival.
0: Yeah, it almost felt like a, a Ray Bradbury. Like, if I know there was a Something Wicked This Way Comes movie. Mm-hmm. I've never watched it, but I'm talking yeah. about the book more. Okay. It felt, like, sort of, I don't know, comparable to what okay. the book would be like all right. when he was in this, when all the dreams he was in.
1: Yeah, it was very... So what was it now? So he's he's at the psychiatrist's office, right? And then she's the secretary, right? This she, woman... Uh,
0: yes. Maya ends up being the secretary at the end. You don't realize that until the end. But basically, he goes to a psychiatrist because he believes this woman is trying to kill him. And he keeps having these nightmares and they get more intense and more vivid every time. Mm-hmm. But he's always at it, like a circus or a car—it's not a carnival, maybe. Yeah,
1: he's on a Ferris wheel, right? At one a point. A Ferris
0: wheel, and then he's in like um, a fun house, and I just like the
1: way it's filmed is really, really—it's very odd.
0: Yeah, especially for the black and white, and it's—it's it's cool. Yeah. I thought it was fun, and What's then that? at the end we don't know if
1: yeah, is I was
0: a of- secretary. trying to kill him but he he kills himself he jumps out the window jumps out the window
1: there's right laura we (laughs) talked about this there's a theme in the first season at least and then later there's another episode later i remember a lot of people jump out the window and lots of people having problems with gambling in this first season that's that's those are the themes
0: everybody jumps out the window or they fall off buildings
1: yeah and there's always and don't gamble is another theme don't gamble (laughs) Right, right the house always wins apparently right and the devil likes to make appearances, oh, too. Oh, yeah. That, so yeah. those are the... Okay, so no, that's...
0: Oh, look, I wrote it. I put lots of window jumping. <laughs> it's
1: Yeah, when you watch it, you're like, wow, this, this this is pretty common. This happens. And this is... Speaking of the action figures, they made a prototype of the Maya figure, but it was never released, right? For yeah. For Biff Bang Pow. Um,
0: Entertainment Earth. Produced an eight inch yeah. Maya the Cat Girl. Yeah. Now you were going to confirm that. Yeah,
1: you? I believe it was never released. They
0: probably canceled I, my order, I
1: guess. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think they, they actually made that one, unfortunately. Because it was the two pack with the Art Carney figure, I asked you, right? Or was it going to be in the same wave as the Santa Claus figure? But that never yes, came out. Yes, it was with the Santa okay, Claus Okay, yep. Figure. So they never made it then. So.
0: Okay, so fun facts. This is the first episode that starts with the iconic Twilight Zone theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, Maya. Is a Hindu word meaning the supernatural power wielded by gods and demons to produce illusions. Love that. Okay. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> no? That's interesting. And then the title of the episode was taken from William Shakespeare's Hamlet to be oh, a not-to-be okay.
1: speech. All right. So That's says cool. I
0: am B- DB. I am DB. <laughs> okay. All
1: right. All right. All right. Well, that was fun. Okay, so this, we could both talk about this because I know this is on your list. If you're making a list, probably the greatest episodes ever, it, if this isn't on your list, I'm going to be amazed. Uh, this is episode eight, Time Enough at Last. Of course. So, yes, yeah, so okay, we'll both so talk wait, about we'll it.
0: Okay, so we'll talk because you know what, it's my that, next one. Yeah,
1: so we'll both, because I knew yes. this had to be. There's like no way this isn't going to be on your list, right? It's like impossible. Yeah. Uh Again, Laura, you agree, one of the greatest episodes ever, period? Ever. Out of. Up there. Okay, so this episode was adapted from a short story written by Lynn Venable. The short story appeared in the January 1953 edition of the science fiction magazine, If Worlds of Science Fiction, about seven years before the television episode first appeared. And it says Burgess Meredith as Henry Bemis. And he was also in other Twilight Zone episodes later on. We'll talk about whenever we get there, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Um. And he's also been so many iconic roles. He was Mickey in the Rocky movies. He was in Clash of the Titans. He was the Penguin the Batman TV series. I mean, he's done tons and tons of stuff. Jacqueline DeWitt as Helen Bemis and Vaughn Taylor as Carsville. I mean, basically, I, he's basically a guy who's obsessed with reading. He reads so much, right, Laura? At work he's a bank teller and he's not even getting his work done because he's reading, he's talking to the customer while trying to do a transaction. He Screws up the transaction he's reading all the time. I mean, he's a nice guy and this is the, I I do like the character but you gotta calm down with the reading. You can't I do all your work. I don't
0: know because I find myself like I'm Henry Bemis.
1: But do you do this while working though? Come on, Laura. I mean, you can't.
0: I've listened to audiobooks as much as I can while Oh I'm I know. But if
1: you have a customer in front of you, you can't do this though. And then the customer yells at him too. I'm and just the bank saying, manager. I relate to him. So you don't so you do it. feel bad for the guy though? Yeah, uh, because his
0: wife is being and doesn't let him read.
1: Yeah, so then even at work, so he goes into the bank vault for solitude, right, to read. Um and like you said, his wife, he goes home, she starts he Goes through his books to read yeah, and she, she scribbles him, over them. Yeah. She rips up the pages.
0: They have to go out to a party like, who cares, yeah, or get together. Yeah, she go. yelled
1: at him a lot. She definitely belittles him, right? Yeah, so yeah, so like I said, he goes to the bank vault to read and then and they set this up because in the newspapers is H bomb capable of total destruction. So that's what you know. This whole this rumbling is going on. The, the vault shakes violently and then. Henry emerges out of the vault and then he looks at the whole, the city's in now as a wasteland. And he's, that we know of the only man alive, right? At least in that area. In that area. So he just finds what, like, he has to read the same old newspapers that over and over again. He finds, like, canned foods and stuff. But then he stumbles upon a library and this is, like, the greatest day of his life, right? As many books as, as, as uh, now as time enough at last, right? Yep. I like how he stacks up all the books for every month, right? He puts them all in different rows.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic.
1: Is that what you would do, Laura? You'd be all...
0: Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> so this is then... This is great until one part happens. You remember, Laura? What happens? Jeez,
0: John. He crushes that, his glasses. Yeah,
1: he stumbles over the glasses. And this guy is a really thick bifocals. So without these glasses, he's doomed, right? Yes. Worse than your eyesight.
0: And in case you're an overthinker like I am, you would think to yourself, how come he just couldn't put the books close up to his eyes or something like that? Is that what you'd think? And read. Well, I was like, well, isn't there, like, can't he go to an eyeglass store? Are... Can't he find an eyeglass? Well, if,
1: you're, if you can't see, it's going to be kind of hard okay, to find it. Okay, so this
0: it. was the explanation that I found. All right. I don't know if it's true. So physics would suggest that Bemis could continue to read after his glasses broke by simply holding the books closer to his eyes. However, his glass lenses are extremely conve con- convex convex, thank you, which means that he is extremely far-sighted in which case he could not hold the book far enough away to be able to focus. Without the print becoming so tiny as to be eligible for even twenty twenty vision, there's explanation.
1: Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I wonder. They they, okay. sure they they set those those glasses up to be as thick as humanly possible. Well,
0: that's what it was. Cause I so, was like, well, why couldn't he just you know?
1: Yeah, it wasn't that easy. But this is this is real life, right? Just when you think you're getting ahead, oh, something happens. This is
0: my luck. This <laughs> totally happened to me. Totally. Oh yeah. And apparently, out of the 92 episodes, this was Rod Sterling's personal favorite.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's definitely up there. Like I said, if you don't put this on your list, I don't know, are you even a fan, right? hmm <laughs> But uh, he also narrated, and you said you never saw this, Lord. We've got to watch this. The 1983 film, The Twilight Zone, Burgess Meredith narrated that movie. And made a reference to Time Enough at Last during the, its opening sequence with the characters discussing the episode in detail. I have not. So now we got That's going to be on your list, right? We got to do that. Uh, footage of the exterior steps of the library was filmed several months after production had been completed. These steps can also be seen on the exterior of an Eloy. What is this? Eloy Public Building, MJ and Time 19- Machine? Yes, you have that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, so. That's really great. That's oh, also in another Twilight
0: else. Zone episode, a nice place to visit.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't see that. See, this is good. I like it when they reuse everything right What set. What else?
0: It was the first of the four episodes to star Burgess Meredith.
1: Yes. Yep. So, yeah. And this is another merchandise thing. Because back then, there was no such thing as Twilight Zone merchandise in the 50s and 60s. But Biff Bang Pal again, they released uh, a bobblehead... The Henry Bemis, and they also had an 8-inch action figure, 3.75-inch action figure, and then they made a... It's like the one thing I didn't buy is because it was kind of ridiculous. It was like one of those little stack of books that you could use for storage, and mm-hmm. it had glasses that were broken. Did you ever see that? No. Yeah, so they made that for this episode just because it was iconic.
0: Yeah, but I get it. Yeah. I love to read, and it's hard to make time. I thought it was a very clever episode.
1: It was. It was great. Okay, so what do you have next?
0: Okay, next I have uh, One for the Angels. Oh, okay. On October 9th, 1959. It's episode two. You knew this was coming, all right?
1: Yes, because when we were watching, you are saying how much you like the episode. Yeah.
0: Um, was Ed Wynn as Lou Bookman and Murray Hamilton as Mr. Death. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, Lou Bookman, he's a street vendor, a pitchman, and he sells all kinds of things, radios, toys, ties. Um, And one day he returns to his apartment and he finds Mr. Death waiting for him, telling him his time on earth has come to an end. And, of course, Lou being a salesman, um, tries to stall his death and tell him that he wants to make the biggest pitch of his life and he doesn't want to die until he makes it. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Death agrees with him, but his actions have consequences because he finds out that he was just tricking him.
1: Yeah. And he's and buying everything, too. He's falling for the sales pitches, right? He's buying well, all this stuff. Well, that's at the end. but the, Yes. Yes,
0: at the end when he makes the biggest pitch yeah. of his life. But his actions have consequences, and mm-hmm. he takes the life of the, the Oh, little, yes. I forgot about the that. The little girl who I did right. not ha- catch her name, but he loved so much. And I thought that was kind of cruel. Yeah. But I think he had to make it impactful mm-hmm. enough because if it was just some guy on the street that Lou didn't know... Mm-hmm. Who cares, right? Yeah. Well, not who cares. But,
1: but yeah, he's not going to be as motivated, right?
0: Yes. So, yes, then then you come to your conclusion where he makes the biggest pitch of his life and this, uh, Mr. Death is sweating and he's buying everything. He has
1: to buy all this crap. He's just like me. You buy all this crap you don't even need, right? So. It goes...
0: <laughs> I would call that successful.
1: But yeah, no, that was, that was really, really good. And this Death didn't look like he wasn't a Grim Reaper, just a guy. He looked like a... He's with the IRS, right?
0: Yes. Well, he says at the end he's taking him. Um, he said heaven. That is where I'm... I like stories <laughs> with like meanings at the end. And he said, "Yes, you made it, Lou. Yeah. You made it." And I, I love, I love that. Boy, I'm getting all like, I don't know. I thought it was a sweet and heartwarming story.
1: Yeah. No, it was good. It was definitely a good one.
0: And it's like amazing how your perspective can change when you want to save someone you love. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, staying alive didn't matter to save her life
1: yeah he didn't care Sweet. yeah but the, yeah for the little girl was different okay so for mine wait th- oh i'm sorry back? oh thought i thought you were done, done okay you took a long pause i know i have all the okay. talking
0: today um so mr death notes that bookman's father was born in detroit and his mother syracuse okay these are the hometowns of rod sterling's mother and father okay well that was cute now i'm done okay
1: there's the easter egg they put in that's good Okay, this next episode, uh, its episode 12, aired December 25th on Christmas, 1959, What You Need. Do you remember that episode well, where... Well, tell me. Uh, there's a bar and there's a character, P-Dot, he just... Good episode. And he was telling everyone, he would just go up to them and tell them what you need. And carry out like a little box, right, going up to people. And one woman in particular said, you're going to need this cleaning solvent and she's like why he's like oh just trust me you're gonna need it later another guy lefty who's a wash up ball player he gives him he says you're gonna need a ticket to scranton he's like what am i gonna scranton pennsylvania and then he gets a, a phone call at the bar saying how his ex-manager is looking for him for weeks yeah. so he got him a job as a pitching coach in scranton and then this other character now sees him was it renard uh fred renard sees him and and he's just this angry miserable person and he just follows him he's like what do i need and he just keeps pestering dot constantly pretty much like stalks him he says here you're gonna need scissors he's like what do i need scissors for and And, then he's
0: a good person he uses his powers for good to help people and of course there would be oh yes this one guy it's, it's almost
1: like uh the goose with the golden egg, right? So this guy, similar to that, so he gives him the scissors and he finds out, he goes in the elevator, his scarf gets caught in the scissors, he needs it to cut it. And um, basically, uh, what other things happened? He he shows up at his apartment.
0: I just remember the shoes.
1: Yeah, he shows up, yep, he goes to his apartment, he goes, what else do I need? And he's like, you don't need anything else? And he gives him a pen. Oh, he wants A leaky pen, what do I need a leaky pen for? Then this leaky pen would land on uh, the horse for horse racing. He, he went on that, and they—he's not happy, right? He just keeps stalking them, mm-hmm. and that's when he said, "You're right. Uh, here, this is what you need." And he gives him shoes. He's like, "What do I need these shoes for?" You know, uh, with a leather sole because I hate leather sole—they're slippery. Then he slips and falls and gets yeah, run by a car. Yeah, was he trying to kill him? Yeah, he goes, he goes, it's not what you need, it's what I need. He said when he was in the bar, he saw in his eyes his own death. So that's So that's. That's how it ended. Which very
0: is, good, very clever too. I like that episode a lot.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that was... Uh, now let's see. For the trivia. The original story featured a machine that could foretell an in, individual's probable future serling replaced the science fiction element with a street peddler who could magically perform the same function in the original story the man owns a shop where he has such a machine and then gives people what they need to provide the best possible outcomes that'd be kind of interesting too right Mm -hmm. also the renard character is killed not by a car but by falling off a subway platform while a train is coming into the station the original version okay Uh, The final shot before the first commercial is actually played backwards. Looking carefully, one can see smoke returning to Renard's cigarette. During the scene in Mr. Renard's hotel room, a bellhop brings him a newspaper. Renard then opens up and spreads it on the floor. The movement is quick, but the front page of the newspaper is visible, indicating that it is the same front page used in another Twilight Zone episode, time enough at last. Oh, okay. It says, H-bomb cable total destruction. I didn't know that. That's really Fun cool, connection. huh? So yeah, so those are a few things.
0: I wonder if any of these props are on um, the Twilight Zone ride at Disney.
1: There are certain things at the end. If like, you've ever gone, now you can't go to Disneyland anymore. They got rid of it. They turned it into a Guardians of the Galaxy oh, ride. That's, right. that's but, okay. I'll never visit. But there. in <laughs> but in Florida, when you get out, if you if you get out certain, you kind of get out different ways. There's all different elevators to get out. But you could see some of the props on the wall. But it's too fast to. Yeah, but to you look. have to get out quick. But there's like a dummy. There's yeah, like, like I'm wondering
0: the... if there's like Henry Beamish's glasses. You might anywhere. see. Yeah, there's yeah.
1: certain little things scattered around. Yeah. But uh, what was the other thing? The character of Fred Bernard utters the line, "Why don't you take a flying jump at the moon?" This is the same line used by the character Leela in in the later episode "The Chaser," and by the character Michael Chambers in the later episode "The Served Man."
0: okay weird huh weird
1: (laughs) okay what do you have next laura
0: okay favorite maybe my favorite episode ever is it and i don't know if you think that i'm like it could be a little strange to some people like why but it's a stop at willoughby
1: i yeah it's okay because we had this discussion this is one i've seen over and over again especially when i was a kid and i'd watch them the I marathons I... and this is one i see over and over and over well, again well i
0: have i definitely have my reasons okay so and it was episode 30 30 and um aired on may sixteenth, 1960 and it was james daly as Gart williams so basically he's tired of his miserable job and wife uh he starts dreaming on the train each night about an old idyllic town called willoughby Um, and then soon he has to figure out whether he's going to get off the train on one of these trains Mm because every time he falls asleep on the train, he gets closer and closer to getting off, Mm -hmm. but he never quite does. And I could just, I just related so much to how he feels and sometimes this overwhelming world. Like, I I don't know. I think we can all relate to him Mm -hmm. sometime. No. It's like the chance to escape reality and overwhelming responsibilities.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And then I, I know we were all brought up to work hard, but, like, to what extent? Like, how much is too much? Like, yeah. we're clearly overworked, some of us? Yes. No? You oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, we're like a, I like to work, don't get me wrong, but like a go, 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 go society. And then, like, you know.
1: Now, how does it end? Because this is one of these episodes I've seen a bunch of times, but I sort of remember the ending. Does so he, he, die? he gets off.
0: Oh, he gets, right. So in, his, we don't know, in his dream, Okay. he does get off. And it's also, he gets off in another time too, which is alluring to me, which is why I like the mm-hmm. episode because the, the added time, time era pieces, period pieces. I love those. Mm-hmm. Like, um, oh God, Outlander. Mm-hmm. Oh Jeez. Okay. So good. But yeah, so the end is like the hearse. And it's called, like, Willoughby and Sons.
1: Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. So he that's does what Willoughby die, is, but it's, but it's, uh...
0: But, like, all the episodes, it's kind of... Leave it to interpretation. Your interpretation,
1: you have to kind of, yep, now so remember yes, that. So, yes,
0: maybe he did die, and maybe that's why he was thinking of Willoughby, because Willoughby, or maybe he did get off in this era of, what was it, like, 18, 1800s or okay. something like that? I, I might be wrong.
1: Okay. So it's funny now I I forgot all about that. Once that's what it was. It was uh, what is it, the funeral home, right? That the was funeral the will. Home. Okay.
0: But I don't know, if you're just going through something like that and you're just miserable and like to get off in a time period where things were much more tranquil and yeah, simpler, happy, right? Simpler, simpler times. times.
1: And then the other thing for us where we live in Connecticut, we all these stops are all ones when we go to New York, they're all the same stops. Yes. And the and I saying have is where is Willoughby in Connecticut? Yep right do you remember that was uh
0: so it was um the train stations called out by the conductor are real stanford saugatuck and westport they are stations on the new haven railway but i believe they don't say one of them anymore okay you know, Sagatuck.
1: probably not that's one that doesn't sound familiar so it's possible
0: yeah do you
1: have any um, other fun facts i do
0: the original draft of this story was considered for the pilot episode. Okay. And apparently, it was Rod Sterling's favorite first season Twilight Zone episode.
1: He's got a lot of favorites.
0: Well, I think his all-time <laughs> favorite was
1: was uh, time enough at yeah, last. This that's this is a, his that's for, for first, first season. season okay. Because
0: I did, I read okay. it a couple times, and I was like, wait, I thought it was time. I did the same thing. But that's why I say apparently. I don't know no, they're I all can't favorites it's always
1: pick tough to pick a favorite, especially if you're involved in it, right? It's gonna be tough for you to pick a favorite
0: it's absolutely it's tough, but for me, this just had everything that I liked
1: okay, so now those all your episodes'cause i' cause we both have the same correct for
0: five okay, so here's yep.
1: an, all right <laughs> episode twenty two aired march fourth nineteen sixty this is one episode I saw numerous times also. And I just was like, eh, I didn't really like it that much when I was a kid. Now I really like it a lot because at the time I didn't, I thought it was more far-fetched and like, oh, people aren't that stupid to really buy into this. And then now as an adult, you see how people, how easily manipulated people are. The monsters are due on Maple Street. Yes. Do you agree with me? It was
0: so good for the reason of people are scary as heck. Yeah. And they, they're they the monsters. The people are the
1: monsters. Yeah. It's like the, basically, it's like the, like a mob mentality, right? All you see is yeah. one person say something, other people follow without even, they're just in a panic. They don't think clearly, right? And they just do, um, you know, what other people. They're so
0: scared to save yeah. their own skin, they'll listen and believe anything that they're told. Yes. Yeah, so, and that's terrifying. Yeah.
1: So this is uh, Maple Street. And. You have this, you know, the whole neighborhood, everybody's out there, right? They're fixing their cars, whatever, watering their lawn, all that. And then all of a sudden something, you don't know what it is. It, is it a, a spaceship? You don't know, you just hear this humming sound, this bright light, and then all the power just stops working. You think at first that's maybe a meteor, they don't know what it is, right? It's not just a power, uh, but everything, even the cars too, mm-hmm. lawnmowers, everything. So they start blaming each other. They see little things. Uh, there's a character, Tommy, he said he read in this comic book well, about aliens. Started. So, yeah, so he said that. And then once they have this.
0: Yeah, he puts the seed in everybody's And spirit.
1: then once they hear that, they're like believing, like, oh, wait a minute. This, this is this it really aliens. Then the power uh, turns on to one person's house. They think that person's the alien. How He says how they, they send, like, one family in, basically, to infiltrate. And they all get paranoid. So this paranoia really just takes over. There's one character, uh, Les Goodman. His car starts. So like, why is your car starting? I, why and our cars aren't starting? They think he's the alien. They rush towards him, and Steve tells him not to act like a mob. He's like the lead. Is uh, let me go back to that's like the one actor, uh, Claude Akins. He's like the produced the most level-headed out of them all if you remember I'm not sure if you remember him I that do. well yeah but he was also uh, he's one of those actors who was his character he was in one of the Planet of the Apes movies That's how I know mostly with makeup on though as an ape but um, he's like the voice of reason out of everything and then one of the the neighbors said Well oh, I know he's in his basement a lot working on this radio like what, who are you talking to Steve and his wife says, no, it's just a ham radio. But this paranoia just really infects them.
0: When people are in panic, there's no there's no help.
1: There's no logic. Yeah, you can give them no those logic. logical explanations, but they just they don't care, right? They're not going to... Uh, then this other character, Charlie Farnsworth, just blames everyone. He points a finger at Steve. He's the one who asks, like, who do you communicate with? Then there's just somebody walking in the dark, and then Charlie just shoots him. And it was one of their neighbors, just because... Just, yeah, so then Charlie says Tommy's the alien, then the other neighbors start believing it. Then all the lights go on. This part was pretty crazy because lights go in another person's house They say, oh, he's the, like, it must be him. Oh, and then another person, so they're all blaming, they don't know what to do. It's just so crazy, right? Do you agree just the way it happens where you think, like, oh, this is possible, but... You, no, can it was see, written, you can it was see. Well. You can Again, see this. You can see. Again,
0: as a child, I could see why you wouldn't think too much of it. As you grow older, you realize this is exactly what happened. He nailed human nature. He got it.
1: And then, the, <laughs> and then, will the aliens explain it more? And then I'm like, Oh, it totally makes sense. So then they show that it really is aliens. So they're seen watching almost like in a hill or something like that. One of the aliens explains how shutting off their power for a few hours in the dark always causes the same results. Mm-hmm. There's the Maple Street everywhere. so the humans pick the most dangerous enemy they can find themselves. We will go to every street and do the same pattern and let them destroy themselves. And that's... It's pretty right? easy. And, I mean, that's, think, and that's what the media I think does this to would people. Happen. Yeah, I yeah. think
0: it's happening sort of yep. now. So.
1: It is. So I, I totally see that happening. Not with aliens, but just... People just being different, thinking that they're their enemy when they're really not.
0: Yeah, instead of trying to relate to each other and yeah. realize where most of us have most of the same beliefs. Exactly. Believe it or not. Most of us are good people, George. Yep.
1: So, but yeah, so that's why I picked that. You agree with me? If you're younger and you see this, you probably like not think much of it.
0: Yeah, no, I wouldn't when I, I didn't. But oh. now, like, I'm like, wow, oh yeah. they nailed it. Very scary. Yes. Good episode, John. This
1: is why this is a timeless show, right? It's still relevant, right? You still watch it. Everything's still relevant, right? Uh, I do have some fun facts. Uh, The aliens are wearing uniforms left over from the 1956 science fiction film Forbidden Planet. Also, the mock-up set of the retractable stairway leading into the lower half of the C-57D cruiser from the same film is reused for this scene. At the end of the episode, a stock footage effect shot of the cruiser in space can be seen. The same shot was also used in Third from the Sun. This technique was used in To Serve Man. The cruiser is shown upside down when compared to his orientation in Forbidden Planet. So that's That'd it. That interesting. Now you're all done, correct? I am done. Okay. Aired April 1st, 1960, called Execution. Do you remember this episode at all? Did the title hit you or no? This was I'm kind okay. of an odd one because it had is in the the Old West. Uh, Cowboy's about to get hung and then hanged, right? Is that the correct term? Hanged? And then all of a sudden he so. vanishes and then he gets sent to I which is present this. time. And I thought I it was like just... You like this one? I, this is another one. When I was younger, I didn't like it. And it, this reminds me of a, a Star Trek like original series type episode. And then I found out later, it's funny because I had a conversation with my brother about it. And he said Rod Serling, uh, I'm sorry, um, Gene Roddenberry did Star Trek, the original series. Talked to Rod Serling about the Twilight Zone, how I wanted to do something like it. He goes, well, if you're going to do something like this, you have to get science fiction writers. They're the right people to get. So the writer on this actually wrote an episode for Star Trek, the original series. So that's why I think there's a similarity to it. Okay. So, which is, I think, pretty. And he also, uh, he also co-wrote the book uh, Logan's Run, I believe, too. That was a good movie. So, yeah, so he goes into, so he's from 80 years in the past in the West. He goes into New York City, 80 years in the future. He's talking to a doctor, explaining how the time machine brought him here. And Caswell, that's the, the cowboy, tells the doctor he was on, a, uh, it was 11... 14, 1880 on a ranch is his last recollection, and the doctor asked why his rope burns on his neck, and Caswell claimed he didn't know. But it explained when he was getting hanged how he killed a man's son, so he's lying to the doctor. So he's a murderer basically. And Caswell tells the doctor he wants to see this world, and he can't handle all the loud noises in the city, and he tries to go into the city to really see what's going on. And then the doctor tells him the they got a conversation about what really happened, how he knows about the, the burns. And Caswell admitted to killing 20 men. And the doctor tells him he wants to send him back to the exact same spot because he deserves justice for killing these men. But Caswell uh, tells him he hasn't walked a mile in his shoes. And he attacks the doctor, takes uh, the doctor's gun and runs off. So this is more where they show how Kaz was in the city. He sees all the cars rushing by, all the bright lights. Uh, he goes to a telephone booth. I like it because it's realistic. He goes in a telephone booth. At, like He panics and crashes through it uh, inside of it. So he doesn't know, like, he hears like this voice coming out. So this is all this technology. Is, like
0: yeah it's kind like of shocking if
1: you it's think about it it really like how would you react? you wouldn't know how to react the to noise this thing right is
0: interesting because they played upon that in outlander um when she comes back from being because you would
1: know you don't know anything else you're like what the hell is this right, right?
0: and you wouldn't think about it until so, they tell you and she's like yeah. there's too much noise so it's that's too loud
1: makes sense right Scary. if you're not used to yeah. that uh he goes into a bar he smashes a jukebox again noise coming out of it yeah with the, and because the sounds driving him crazy then he sees television for the first time and it has a cowboy on there telling him to draw so he shoots the TV and then he goes back to the laboratory and the doctor is dead but then there's another man that comes in to burglarize it and he kills Caswell. So then that man who kills Caswell goes into the time machine, transports into 1880 and he appears in the exact same spot getting hanged. So, he got justice, right? So, this shows how you can try and escape it, but you're still, fate is going to happen, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it was okay. It just wasn't one of my favorites. Was it,
1: it's another one, like I said, didn't, I used to kind of just say, eh, it's all right, but I like it a lot more now for yep. some reason. So, I said, this was a lot of fun, Laura.
0: Always. Thanks for letting me share my favorite five episodes from season one, and I'll be excited to do season two.
1: That's it. we got to start watching season two, and then we'll, we're will we going to have a lot of fun. The, that, the hard part is always narrowing it down to five, right?
0: It is hard. Marsha.
1: Marsha. Marcia. Marcia. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy Shocking Things and want to support the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Radio, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Sharing the episodes you enjoy on social media also helps. To see more information pertaining to each episode, please go to our social media and interact with us. On Instagram, it's at shocking.things.podcast. On Twitter, at Things Shocking. And on Facebook, at Shocking Things Podcast. Or go to anchor.fm slash shocking things for the main hub with the links to everything. Until next time, try and enjoy the daylight.